As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's a new day! Yes, it is! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... To Wild and Crazy Guys! The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. For the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hope. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are. Well, hello, welcome in. Hogan Johns, back with you. Decked out in orange today. We wore the same freaking sweatshirt. <laughs> they, they are slightly different, we should have. If you're watching slightly. on YouTube, we're wearing the, the orange, I was about to say green, the orange Hogan Johns walking bear hoodie. Yeah. But yours is like the original, the test one. Yeah, I got it like before they even went out. And it doesn't have the patch on the side. You got the uh, the Hogan Johns logo on the sleeve. Mine has the patch on the left arm. Okay, so we're not wearing the same sweatshirts. We've determined that. Uh, <laughs> I tried to get Johns to change, and he refused. So I did. That actually uh, happened. <laughs> this is officially his fault. Uh, welcome in. We're back. Bears had some OTAs pract- practices open to the media yesterday. We will, of course, talk about all that. And... Uh, I'm I'm hanging in there. I uh I got my ass kicked by like a John's London bug virus thingy Be- because you missed OTAs yesterday. Yeah. Nicholas Moriano told everybody you were sick. Yeah. So the stomach flu? Well, people probably thought like COVID then or something. You know, I mysteriously uh-huh. am not there. Um so I was in New York City which I kind of want to talk about at some point too uh, with my son over the weekend. We had a great weekend. My seven-year-old is the best traveler in the world. I love taking him places. We went to the White Sox-Yankees game on Saturday. We saw the whole Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson dust up and all that. And then we got home Sunday. And then like Sunday night in the middle of the night, I wake up and it's like, uh uh-oh. And um, there... Let me just say, there was a, uh, 
I counted it up. There was a 33-hour stretch, John, where I slept 27 hours. And I am not some... Like, I can count, I think on three fingers, the amount of times I've been, like, really sick. I'm talking about, like, you know, not your normal cold you get every year, but, like, really stuck in bed sick in the last decade. One time I had, like, a legitimate stomach flu thing that lasted, like, 12 hours and kicked my ass. That was, like, 10 years ago almost. Then I got COVID a couple years ago, which people probably remember. Um, but even that wasn't that bad. This was legitimate, like, just knocked me out. I still don't feel 100% right now, like, just in terms of energy, because I didn't eat for basically three days. So did anything happen on the plane? No, no, no. This was afterwards. And it You're and home. I can tell you it's not from New York because my daughter had this last week. Okay. Like she was my one year old. You know, she got the whatever came from daycare, blah, blah, blah. And then she was dealing with something like this all week. It kind of went through my family. My wife and my son didn't really get it that bad. But then for me, holy shit. <laughs> I'm I'm like literally shit. Literally <laughs> a lot of shit. If, yeah, not good. If you're like a new listener, I, I know people watching YouTube have probably skipped ahead or they're putting in the comments, you know, skip past this part. But yeah, <laughs> when we went to London for the Bears game, so this is the running bit on our, our show here. Yeah. I got hit with the stomach flu mid-transatlantic transatlantic flight. Yeah. Pretty much the was, worst place you could get it, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It was the worst sick experience of my life. Just imagine how bad that was, getting hit with the stomach flu in the middle of a seven-hour flight to London. So it's a bit on this show, but that's how we bring up random sicknesses yeah. <laughs> that we deal with that cause us to miss practices and whatnot. Well, and I kind of feel like it was probably like a similar timeline because like, I remember you you got there and you basically locked yourself in your hotel room. Understandably, I was gone for like so. Twenty four hours. Um, you, you know, you had the day where you're probably just in bed the whole time. Then you had the next day where you didn't go to practice, but you still weren't right. And then I'm probably at the point now where you were that Saturday in London, where you like forced yourself out of the hotel and went to the bar, and we actually had a good time with all of our listeners that came out in London at that point. Had a couple um, beers. Yeah, you Fish were probably like earlier that day. Yeah, I'll probably have a beer later today. Like I'm starting to feel better. I, it's really just the lack of energy because I haven't eaten in forever, so it's weird. But anyway, I'm back. I'm good. I did want to bring that up though, just to make sure everyone understands. I was not at practice yesterday. I've been kind of catching up on what was said, um, and so we're lean on you a little bit today, Johns, for the stuff that happened at House Hall. But um, woo. That was not a good experience. No, I, not fun. I hope practice was better for yesterday for you and all that. My most general takeaway is how many times I had to check the roster to see who the hell that was. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. And I mean this genuinely. There are so many new players on this roster. So many. And you have like repetitive numbers with, you know, maybe I think there's like 221s or something. I don't know if we're at that point yet. Yeah, 221. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're checking, like, oh, who is that? Checking the number. Even guys that are poised to make meaningful contributions this year, like a Byron Pringle, who had a pretty good practice, who's starting to impress me, I might say. He's number 17? No, 13. See, I can't even get it right. Let me double check that. Yes, 13. 
Very good day over the middle. Underneath crossing routes, starting the big gains. It's hard to see because tackles aren't being made. But the offense seemed to feed off his energy a bit. Bayless Jones Jr. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But I'm starting to think the Bears might have something in him. In Bayless <laughs> Jones? I mean yes. Okay. Not just in special teams. But stressing out off or stressing out defenses with, with his speed. And I, I'm telling you, that speed is real. Okay. Turned to Mark Rohde yesterday, made a joke about he made a joke about his age. And I'm like, oh, that's you know, it's very mature route there and very mature speed because he broke away from some guys. You're starting to see that speed create separation. Now, I don't want to get ahead get ahead of myself, but you're starting to see some traits and skills that can translate. Well, and that's what you do this time of year. You you just kind of write down notes like that, and then you you uh, get some initial impressions. And it's much better if the uh, first impressions are good and not bad. And then you reassess in training camp when the practices are a little bit more real with the pads on. I know you want to talk about Justin Fields here shortly. So my general observations of him yesterday was, was it was a good day. Good. Didn't hit every pass. Um, seemed to be keeping his eyes down the field. Looks like he'll be running the ball a bit. I mean, those are just certain plays, but good day. Good day. And Matt Eberflus, I, I think the viral quote from yesterday is that he's impressed with his deep ball. We know he has a good one. Let's see if he can connect more this season. Yeah, well, that seemed to be the uh, the big quote of the day. We're going to take some shots. And then I read that uh, that was actually just in 7-on-7 seven seven that he was talking about. But you hope they you hope they do take shots with Justin Fields because he does have a good arm. Um, hey, speaking of Justin, I want to get something on that. I did want to like make one quick podcast uh, uh, just clarification because we talked we said this at the end of the last episode. I'm not sure if everybody got to the end of the episode because we're still getting tweets about this. But for those that might be new to the podcast, we this is the time of year where we do slow down a little bit. Just want to warn you up front. Because uh, I know, pe- and even some t- t- some of our longtime listeners forget this because they're used to us us cranking out three episodes a week during the season and two for most of the off season. Um, but this is the summer months, and between kind of nowish, especially once veteran mini camps over, then we'll actually probably take a couple weeks off completely um, before training camp starts. Then we ramp things up like it's the regular season again. But we are getting down to a lot of weeks. We only have one episode. There might be. A, Probably veteran minicamp week will will knock out two, but this is the usual schedule we follow. And some of you may even remember because uh, John's, you know this. My daughter's first birthday is coming up here next week. So last year, I was missing all summer. Well, this you, year we had the we had Dion Miller, Mark Grody, Jeff Joniak. Who else did we have? I forget. Sorry if I'm forgetting you, but we had a lot of guests. Yeah, you did a good job we, while I was gone. We could probably even do it again. Well, but with we, you. Yeah. Well, or without me, that's fine. <laughs> you want to do that again this summer? The, the true off-season summer conversations. Yeah. But uh I know we get tweets about it and I understand why we get them. I'm just wanted to put that towards the start of the podcast today to make sure everyone hears that. Um so we are going to have these um you know, episodes Post. It's not because of CHGO. I know people think it's like because 
I started this job at CHGO and we're doing shows every day. It's just actually the schedule that we pretty much follow every year. So just want to throw that out there. Okay. Um, Dan Pompey from The Athletic had a very interesting column the other day about Justin Fields' leadership. And he brought up something, I will admit, I didn't even really think about too much. And we say this a lot when we bring up stuff that Dan writes. When Dan Pompey writes something, you pay attention to it. Um, same thing with you last week, Johns, when you um, started raising some red flags about Jalen Johnson. When Adam John starts raising flags about somebody like that, okay, I'm paying attention to that. And then sure enough, we saw him running with the second team yesterday, which we'll talk about in a second, in a couple of minutes here. But Dan Pompey brought up the fact that Justin Fields was not the winner of the Brian Piccolo Award this year because it goes to a veteran and it goes to a rookie. The veteran winner was Robert Quinn. The rookie was Khalil Herbert. And I probably should have thought about this more, but it really, I don't know why. It just did not register with me. I didn't think about it too much. I was like, oh, Khalil Herbert, yeah. Seemed like a great teammate. Had a good rookie season. Well-liked. Totally understand why he won the award. And didn't really think about the fact that, is it a problem that Justin Fields wasn't the winner? Because as Dan brings up, and it's a good point, first-round quarterback you think would be sort of the obvious person to vote for in that locker room. What was your reaction to that story? Well, Dan and I had talked about his his idea um, at that practice. So it was last week OTAs, and it was about the, the void of leadership. You actually had the question uh, to Matt Eberflus about what you're looking for in captains, how do you want this to play out. And, you know, you and I threw out some names, and – you know, here we are. Here, here's Dan's piece. My, my initial reaction was, oh, okay, you know, the pickle lord, you know, it's very important to the franchise. But, yes, it is curious. Then I thought about it more. Like, I want to blame the entire situation of last season for that. Like, okay. Khalil Herbert deserved it. I think what his teammates saw was him replacing David Montgomery and doing well. Mitch Trubisky didn't win it either as a rookie. And that situation was messed up too. You had the Mike Glennon super tall awkwardness going, you know, thing going on. And I'm joking around, but there, there was an awkward situation. Like last season in its entirety was awkward for Justin Fields. Starting with his selection and, and starting with his placement behind Andy Dalton. Starting with this entire plan that Matt Nagy stuck to until, oh, maybe my job's on the line. And then still, not really helping him. So I think that has to be part of the context when you wonder why Justin Fields wasn't the winner of the Brian Piccolo Award. An award that honors dedication, leadership, humility, personality. So many things that Brian Piccolo presented for the Bears. Very important for the Bears. Maybe that's why he didn't win it. The entire situation last year for him at quarterback was awkward. Yeah. And they they vote on this like at the end of the season, right? Or in season. It's just it doesn't come out until draft time. Um so I think that timing 
matters. Um, it, well researched here, though, because Dan brought up, and this you may put stock in this, you may not, but he writes, winning a Piccolo Award or not winning it has been a fairly reliable barometer of how the career of a Bears first-round draft pick will play out. In the past 25 years, only four first-rounders have won the award as rookies. Those four players, Brian Urlacher, Tommy Harris, Greg Olson, Roquan Smith. Four pretty good football players. He goes on and right. Fields joined this group of first-rounders who are not given the award by their teammates. Walt Harris, Curtis Enos, Cade McNown, David Terrell, Mark Colombo, Michael Haynes, Rex Grossman, Cedric Benson, Chris Williams, Gabe Karimi, Shea McClellan, Kyle Long, Leonard Floyd, Kevin White, and Mitch Trubisky. I think that's just another reminder of how bad the Bears are at drafting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on. But I think, it, yeah, and, and, and it, it also makes me wonder if, and by the way, Walt Harris was a pretty good player. Kyle Long was pretty yes. celebrated as a young player. It went awry because of injuries, but he was not a bad first-round pick by any means. Uh, Leonard Floyd got off to a slow start and didn't really realize his talent until he went off to the Rams. Some of that's still been a little bit overrated. Um, but yeah, a lot of those other guys on there, many of them busts, complete busts. I'm trying to look up like Bears draft history, and I don't think we're like the pickle Lord. Remember when Matt Forte didn't show up for it? Yeah, this is extremely important for the franchise. Uh, so it does. It, I think it does carry away. I, I think mo- some players recognize the importance more of it than, than others, um, especially if you're there longer. Go on, you got something? Well, yeah, because here's the thing, like. That list and that separation of how it's listed kind of makes me think that this sort of just gets voted on based on how they're playing as rookies. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, if we're going to be fair, Khalil Herbert was the Bears' best rookie last year. So, because here's the thing. Roquan Smith might be developing into a leader, but I think even Dan put this in his column. Like, he wasn't exactly that as a rookie. Maybe a little bit in the locker room, but I think there were some maturity things that had to go on there before he's gotten to the point where he's at now. Um, And even then, I don't know if all the questions have been answered at this point. So I'm just saying, like, let's say it's late in the season. You're voting on this award. It's been awkward. Justin Fields hasn't played in a while. Remember, he got hurt, and he had COVID right at the end of the year. Like, I don't know what the timing of all this. It's been a weird... He got weird... sacked nine times in Cleveland because the game plan sucked? Yeah. I, I I can see why you vote for Cleo Herbert. He's been healthy. He filled in for David Montgomery. Maybe maybe we're um, trying to be optimistic on this, but I guess, I guess the thing is, is that The, the, every everything you hear about Fields, though, I don't. He, have you heard any other questions about his leadership? 
I think he's even recognized that last year was different for him. Wasn't the guy from the start. He had Andy Dalton and even Nick Foles for leadership responsibilities. And I think that changed his mindset a bit. Even as much as he tried to lead at certain points during his rookie season, I'm sure he still deferred to Matt Nagy. I think you saw it in the game plans. Yeah. <laughs> that the entire season didn't set up well for him. It just didn't. Regardless of the excitement that the franchise felt, the fans felt with his selection, the trade-up in his selection, the plan that the Bears put in place for him failed him last season. Simply did. Just just like the Bears' plan for Mitch Trubisky failed him in 2017. Well, and Dan correctly points out that pretty much every leader still has to back it up on the field. Like, you have to... Your leaders still end up being your best players, too. That also just happen to be good vocal leaders that also, whether they lead by example or with their voice. And so Dan does does point out that if Fields leads his team into the end zone and post-game victory celebrations, he will be a leader. So, and the, the rest of it won't matter. And that didn't happen as a rookie. So... Anyway, I thought it was a good column. I thought it was a good thing to bring up. Definitely makes your mind work a little bit because it's. I think it's healthy to think about things, not just assume that. Because that's the thing with Mitch. Like Mitch, Mitch was Mitch led by examples. Teammates liked him and all that. He could be a leader, but the results never followed on the field. And I think if they had then that leadership could have gone to the next level. So just something to think about. I found it interesting, and um, I don't think we need to make too much out of it, but well, good, col- good column on. by Dan. Hold on. I think we can start making too much out of what leadership means to, to Matt Eberflus. Let's get well, into it's obviously Jaylen. a huge topic for him. Yes, let's get into this Jalen Johnson conversation. Sure. Or part two of it. Because my I joked earlier about not knowing some of these players' numbers. But I know number 33. And I know when 33 is out there with 58 and other projected starters, something's going on. Yeah. I know when number six, who is Kyler Gordon, and Kinlo Vildor are out there with number 58. It's Roquan Smith, everybody. Then I know what the first team is. So seeing Jalen Johnson run with the twos a week after everything Matt Eberflus said about him was noteworthy, significant. It's not a benching. It's a challenge. It's a message. If he wasn't challenged by what Matt Eberflus said publicly last week, this week is definitely a challenge for Jalen Johnson. So he blamed it on conditioning. Are you not buying that? No, no, no. Because if you if you looked at Jalen Johnson's social media, that's what he was doing. He was training. He was yeah. training on his own, not a part of the team. He should be in shape. I'm not buying that one bit. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I mean, if you're throwing a rookie to, in, into the fire, right? Like, yeah. I'm also. I also want to be clear too, like, because some people want to take this to too big of an extreme. Like, Jalen Johnson's starting job is in jeopardy. Jalen Johnson's starting job is only in jeopardy if he's like he's going to be the week one starter. 
one of the cornerback spots. Okay, regardless, he should be. He should unless be. he does something completely f's up and doesn't respond to this challenge well. Right, but he, you know, like anybody who watched the tape last year knows that there's an enormous difference between Jalen Johnson and Kendall Viltor. And if there wasn't, they wouldn't have drafted Kyler Gordon in the first place. All right, there was a massive hole at one of the cornerback spots, and it wasn't the hole created by Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson is a good, hopefully still ascending cornerback. So it's not like, I'm not viewing this as like his job's in jeopardy. It's May, he's running with the twos. Um, but it obviously, I think to your point is a clear message because Jalen Johnson also knows that he was way better than Kendall Vildor. So if he has to run out there with the twos in practice, Kendall's running with the ones. That'll get your attention. Matt Eberflus used the word assess a lot yesterday. Mm hmm. Feel like it underlined it a couple times, taking notes, listening to him, and that's how that's how he's viewing his cornerback situation. He wants to assess it. Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson played on the right side of the defense for the entire entirety of the practice we saw. Never together, always separate. So it'll be interesting to see how the assessment. <laughs> of Matt Eberflus' changes. They want to challenge Jalen Johnson, and he should be challenged. I think he's a promising young cornerback who was the Bears, arguably the Bears' best defensive back last year. But he's not an all-pro. He's not a pro bowler. There are certain plays on tape from Jalen Johnson that qualify as loafs. I'm sure they're going to be brought up to him if they haven't been already. If they think... They could get more out of Jalen Johnson. They're going to find ways to do it. They're going to find ways to challenge him. Last week was part one. This is part two. I'm interested to see what part three and four holds in, in training camp. Will Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson be on the field together? Still waiting to see it. We need another corner! I don't think they need another corner yet. But I do think it's important to see how he responds. I think you're right about that because... Uh, it could create a problem. The good news is all the review, early reviews on Kyler Gordon are very good. Outstanding. I think it was linebacker Nicholas Morrow who uh, revealed that he had two interceptions on his first day. Kyler Gordon had two interceptions on his first day, and we've seen more of that. Yeah. And Jaquan Brisker's knocking the ball loose, too, he said. So, good start from those rookies. Speaking of good first impressions... I mean, really, the Bears' first three picks. They were running with the ones. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me. Is like a lot of times you take the the rookies and you're like, you still have to earn this. We're not giving you the ones yet. Like even if it's a situation where a guy's pretty much obviously going to be a plug-and-play starter, no, you got to earn it. You got to work your way up to it. The fact that they're just throwing them in with the ones. Like if you're Jalen Johnson and you have to, you had the season you had last year and you're running with the second team, Behind a rookie and a guy who really was not that good last year. I don't know how else you look at that than a message. Because the thing, the re, here's the reason why you shouldn't buy the conditioning thing. Beyond the reasons you already gave, which were good ones. But 
if you're going to take a starter and limit his reps, then you take him out halfway through the first team reps. You give him a few right off the top, then you sub somebody in. You don't run them with the second team. That's not how you do it. So that's why I'm not buying that either. I think Ibrahim also made it clear that he feels Jalen Johnson is behind because he missed time. Now, he didn't come out and say because he missed time, but in terms of installing the the defense beyond the philosophy, the hits, mm-hmm. the actual schematics of it, the responsibilities of the cornerbacks, eyes in the backfield, all that, which Jalen Johnson described as the biggest difference for him in this defense. Maybe he thinks he's behind. But again, and maybe he is, but again, the rookies weren't here in April either. True. And they're rookies. They haven't played it down in the NFL. And Kyler Gordon's not exactly showing that, that he doesn't fit. I think he's showing that he, he fits. He seems to be doing just, just fine. Just fine. So, yeah. I don't know about that. Um, all right. Let's talk about Robert Quinn for a second because there's some rumors that popped up over the weekend uh, that Robert Quinn wants out. Are you buying that idea that Robert Quinn, who has not been around, but did show up for the Piccolo, he did not make the mistake that Matt Forte once made, uh, that Robert Quinn wants to be traded? I'm sure he'd like to play for a better team, but I don't think he's there's a trade request in, an official trade request in. Maybe you're trying to f- generate some interest, but I don't think the Bears want to trade him. I think they want him on the team to help their younger players, given that he's got experience in their scheme, given that he's still very productive at his age, and many other things. But don't you think that there's a point where if the trade value becomes significant enough, that you're willing to give that up? Because yes. you could have made the same argument about Khalil Mack. Yes. And they yes. still traded him. Yes. Um, no, no. I, I, I still think they want him on the team, at least through training camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I, I, I don't mean to be overrating the value of having a veteran, you know, mold and tutor young players or be an example for them, which I think the Bears view Robert Quinn as, as, as well as being productive on the field. But I think that's what they want. Maybe there reaches a point where a, a playoff contender needs another pass rusher, and they ship him out of here for a fifth-round pick. But you're not getting some high-round pick for him at this point. Klimak's a bit different because of the age, the, the caliber of player. Well, a couple things here. I think we'll learn more about how serious this is at mandatory minicamp in a couple weeks. Um, because if he doesn't show up for that, then I think it's a little bit more of a statement that he definitely wants out. What I think might be on the table here is um, potentially a understanding between the two sides that if the right opportunity pops up, Robert Quinn would certainly not object to the idea of joining a team that could potentially win the Super Bowl. And that's the key there. Yeah. He doesn't want to be traded to the, the Jaguars or the Jets or the Giants. 
mm-hmm. he wants to go to a winner, just like the Bears did Cleo Mack. Right, by sending him to San Diego, or not San Diego, sorry, Pat Finley, by sending him to Los Angeles to playoff caliber team in the Chargers with a good young quarterback and outstanding players on both sides of the ball. Yeah. A legit playoff team. A serious contender, at least in the opinion of, of many people around the league. And and look, at some point, someone's going to get hurt on one of those good teams. And someone's going to need a pass rusher. And you you might be in a spot where you can eat some of the money like the Broncos did with Von Miller last year to increase his value. I, I guess I have, I have two strong opinions on this in terms of actually executing a trade with Robert Quinn. I don't do it unless it's actually worth it. Like, unless you're... I'm not just trying to get rid of Robert Quinn for the sake of getting Robert Quinn. Like, you better get some value back. And right now, I don't think that there is a ton of value there. But there could be. There could be based on injuries and the timing of all this stuff. Um, and you also have to weigh the risk that Robert Quinn could get hurt. And you might have a lost season from him. So I just think you got to be patient. I also don't think Robert Quinn is um, one that's really going to be rocking the boat too much. He's a pretty reserved, business-like type guy where this can be handled the right way. And I think it probably is. But again, I'm kind of like, all right, let's see if he shows up to minicamp, though. So as far as the immediate, like the right now, the short term, with Quinn and Muhammad not here, what you have is Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson. The fifth round pick, right? Fifth round pick from Miami Mm -hmm. of Ohio. Getting a lot of work with the first team. A lot of work against some better players. Now it is tough to judge as Matt Eberflus pointed out, pass rushers against blockers without pads on. But it's still needed to work for players. One in Gibson, who is making another positional change in his young career. And Dominic Robinson, who the Bears scout described as raw. Good pass rusher, but still needs to learn the position. Former yeah. receiver. But he stands out every now and then. He looks the part. Travis Gibson looks the part right now. It's May. 25th. Yeah, I kind of like Jarvis Gibson. You look like it, but Gibson can back it up with some pretty good tape from last season. They were flashes, but they were also limited opportunities. So, and that's, by the way, that's another reason to not rush into a trade of Robert Quinn. Like, the, the good part of him not being here is you get to evaluate these young kids. And you may feel more comfortable in August about trading away Robert Quinn. Or you could trade him now, and then one or both of those guys don't really develop, and now you got a huge problem on your hands. Because you need to have some pass rush. You can't just throw away your pass rush completely. Can I give you one interesting observation from OTA yesterday? Please. The play caller for the defense was not Roquan Smith. Oh. But Nicholas Morrow. Huh. What do you make of that? Well, he's got more experience in this game. He's done it before. But I would think May would be the perfect opportunity for Roquan Smith to learn the words of such calls, to further his understanding, and to further be tested by his coaching staff. So I I found that an interesting 
nugget have you? Yeah. From from OTAs yesterday. I, I can read you. I don't know what you think about it, but I can read you what Nicholas Morrow said about it. Uh, sure. One second. Let me just before you do that. I just would point out, like as a coach, I think you're also you have to prepare for the scenario where Roquan Smith's not there due to yep. injury or something else. And it's hard to get those reps in because it's not like you're if you're going to run Morrow with the ones and Roquan Smith's always handling the calls with the ones, then Morrow's never getting that opportunity. And then all of a sudden in the game, Roquan Smith's not there and he's got to do it. So sort of a theme here as we're talking about now is the time to get some of that work in. It could just be that. Yes. Matty Refluce doesn't want you to read too much in the Jalen Johnson situation, not reading too much into this with the play callers. But I do think it's in terms of leadership, having your guys in control. You have a young player, Roquan Smith, who doesn't have a contract, who deserves accolades for past performances and whatnot. Um, just an interesting observation, I yeah. think. Here's what Nicholas Morrow said about handling the defensive calls in practice. It's cool, but I think it's on everybody. Like once the call gets in, everybody's got to echo it. It's been cool, but the biggest thing is understanding your wind because you've got to be in shape to do it. You've got to run downfield, and you've got to run back and give the calls. So it's been cool, but I don't think it's been anything new. It's nothing I haven't done before, but just getting the calls into everybody and getting everybody set, and then after that, it's on everybody to be responsible for it. So he's kind of downplaying it a little bit. Yes. Interesting observation, though. It was interesting. Glad you brought that up. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. 
Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Um, all right. Other, another guy who talked yesterday, Cole Komet. What did you? What were your takeaways from the tight end? And I'm kind of wondering, like, I, I feel like he's almost been an afterthought so far in the offseason program, and a lot of tight ends don't break out until year three. Like, that's a pretty common thing. In his case, despite a lack of opportunity, I, I talked about this earlier in the offseason. I forget if it was on this show or the other one, but, you know, if you actually compare my comp for him, as our listeners know, has always been Kyle Rudolph. Like, I haven't never said he's going to be Travis Kelsey. Like, like I think sometimes we set the expectations a little too high. I need to remember he's a second-round pick. Kyle Rudolph was, was a very good Viking for a decade. Um, Productive tight end. Good leader. His numbers are right there. In fact, I think last year they were a little bit better than Kyle Rudolph's second-year numbers. He still had 60-some-odd catches, and there's still room for improvement. So I just think we have to keep Cole Komet in the proper perspective. But new offense, more opportunity. Jimmy Graham's not being his touchdown vulture, his red zone opportunity vulture. Is he poised for a bigger season here in year three? Knowing that we were talking to Cole Komet, Yesterday, like going into practice, Cole Komet was going to be part of the interview process post practice. Like you look for him, but leaving yesterday, I thought we heard more from Cole Komet than actually saw, than seeing more of Cole Komet. I don't know if it was just the plays they were practicing or whatnot, but I had more notes on Byron Pringle and Bayless Jones Jr. Simba Walker than I had Cole Komet. Even in some plays where I purposely looked at Cole Komet, the shorts were out, wasn't exactly running down the seam. The ball went elsewhere. But again, they could just be the plays they're running on this one Tuesday in OTAs. But he should be... he, he, He struck me as generally upbeat about what is ahead for him. Excited. Not like just cautiously optimistic, but genuinely excited about what he can do in this offense. Well, I mean, I think he should be. And he's going to this tight end university thing again, right? And which he basically admitted is a bunch of partying, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, lo- I do love the press this thing gets because even last year, if you were paying attention, it was very clearly, yeah, let's work out a little bit and then let's hang out and have some drinks. Can I bring up something that Cole Clement brought up yesterday when he was asked about his first couple of years? Sure. He brought up all the quarterbacks he's had. Mm-hmm. It's been a few. Mitch Trubisky, Nick, Nick Foles, Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Nick Foles again. So, Andy Dalton again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> correct. Correct and all that. I think I got I think I got that right. I miss anybody? Yes. yes. I think that was it. That so for him to actually be with Justin Fields from the start of the season, not have to go through whatever crap that was last training camp, where he did not work with Justin Fields whatsoever. <laughs> he did not. 
He did it. What a waste of time training camp was, guys. There it is. Did not work with Justin Fields whatsoever. Maybe barely. Minimally. <laughs> One play. <laughs> like, it was just... But now he's... They're, go, they're going to Atlanta together. Like, he, he's he's in Georgia with Justin Fields and, and Darnell Mooney. They know what's ahead of him. They're, all of it is just refreshing for these young players. There's no quarterback controversy. No quarterback conundrum. It's Justin Fields' show. This is who we're working with. Forget about building chemistry with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. We are working with Justin Fields. Now... In the summer, in the fall, in the preseason, and then in the regular season. He is our guy. This is where the chemistry starts, on and off the field. I think that in itself is encouraging for a player like Cole Komet. Not that we have to get into this again, but you just reminded me. So even literally last night, I was going back and looking at some some old uh, correspondence I was having with somebody in the organization during the preseason last year. And um, because it was about, I think at that point is like we were both, especially you, were complaining about like how Justin Fields was not getting any reps. And then you get to the preseason games and they were playing Andy Dalton. Uh, it, which game was it? It was just a, a terrible game. It was that the second, third, whatever the big preseason game is. And it was a terrible game. But like, they remember, they weren't playing. Like Al Robinson, they weren't playing any of the other starters, but they were playing Dave or they were playing Andy Dalton and not Justin Fields. And then Andy Dalton was bad. And then it was like, well, Andy Dalton's in a tough situation because he has none of his regular targets. Well, then why don't you play them? Or why do you just not play Andy Dalton? Like it doesn't what this doesn't make sense. Like yeah. I almost, I'm, I'm looking, I just, I like even, la I like wanted to throw my phone at a wall last night even. It's like still mind boggling. And we're still here. Well, we are. <laughs> it just has to feel significantly different. Better. Exciting. Yeah. Does it not? Like, there's going to be a lot of mistakes in training camp. And there should be. We'll report on them. Fans will get anxious. Some fans will get mad. Yeah, we'll have that. We'll have those days like that one day in minicamp last month where everybody's mad at us because we're reporting it was a bad day. Those are going to happen. But Eberflus has said again that he feels like the offense is ahead of schedule. I like this nugget too, that he is spending time every morning in the quarterback meetings with Lugetsi, Andrew Janako. In the three quarterbacks. He's there every morning. Not only does he listen, but he interjects with defensive defensive viewpoints on what they're discussing. I like that. I really, really like that. No, I like that too. And yeah, he's talked about that. And I think that's I think that's very good. Um, all right, final thing before we get out of here. You also got a chance to meet and talk to the defensive assistants yesterday, the assistant coaches. Um, what did you learn from those guys? I think the excitement for Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker is 
It's beyond real. That's good. And I think they believe they have not only like day one starters, but like long term starters in those players. You know, like you get a sense early on, oh, like oh, that that, that player can play. Like like we had that with Eddie Jackson. Sure, there's been ups and downs since, but I think that's how they feel about Caller Gordon and Jaquan Brisker almost immediately. Like oh, like we got this right. Like yeah. they could tell early on that they have something in those players, and maybe even Dominique Robinson. Now, I don't know what the, the the ceiling is for a player who played wide receiver and quarterback previously in his playing career, going back to high school. But they feel like they're, there's a player there. There's so production there. That's obviously the one that's very interesting because he was like the project guy. Like You're just drafting high traits. You're great in the flashes, and you're hoping for the best. Maybe that's a bust. Maybe it works out, though. So it's interesting that the early impressions are very positive there. You have a young player who's putting in work. Yeah. I think that was... Oh, I'm blanking on the position. So many position coaches. Forget players just to learn. Position last coaches again. I remember last week, I was like, I'll give you $5 right now if you can tell me that guy's name. People are probably making fun of us because this is our job. Well, but it I've, is, I, but I've it's... covered five coaching staffs, everybody. I still see 21 out there. I think Major right. Also... <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've had 17 running backs coaches in the last five years. Correct. It's exaggeration, but at least four. <laughs> it's, it's it's hard to keep up here. Um, we'll have them down, though, by training camp. Oh, yeah. Promise you that. Well, and part of it is getting these opportunities like yesterday and last week where we actually get to see their faces, talk to them. Get to know them a bit. Get Juan Castillo to say over and 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 over again. You're not listening, Chris. Then we get to know him. See, I feel like there's certain assistant coaches that make an earlier impression on us than others. Yeah. Even for fans, like Juan Castillo did that. Delivered some sound bites that are still played on this podcast. He had interactions with the media that were quite entertaining. Yeah. Some football coaches are just football coaches. Do your research. Well, it's always fake. Want to hear what Travis Smith, that is the defensive line coach, said about Dominic Robinson? I'll let you go. We'll let everybody go. Yeah. This is defensive line coach, new Bears defensive line coach, Travis Smith and Dominic Robinson. Any guy that's willing to work and everything we talk about in a room is effort-based front. We're an effort-based front and effort-based defense and so with him here raw or not raw if they're willing to put in the work and compete I'm extremely excited about it and so he's a very young player everybody keeps talking about raw I was talking about earlier how hungry and how willing and how he can take things from the meeting room to the field and how he's been phenomenal so far so I'm excited about it boom some coach speak there but hall of fame lock it up you better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. I think that's it. I think that's Drap. it. All right. Uh, good stuff. I'm feeling better. Good. Uh, I did have a great... I'm glad that this didn't hit me in New York. That would have been bad. With a seven-year-old with me in, you know, New York hotel rooms. They're... 
basically the size of a closet. Uh, not a lot of room there. That would have been bad. So at least we survived that. James and I were like, uh, ba- like basically uh, Adam Sandler and Big Daddy with the kid roaming around New York City. We didn't throw any sticks at any rollerbladers, but you, you know, you peed on some walls of some restaurants. They wouldn't let walls, you use the restroom. You know, thirty packets of ketchup. Yeah, that that whole deal. We were having fun. We went to Central Park. I gotta say, you know, guess how many miles he walked on Saturday? Because I looked at my watch. So you went through Central Park. Yeah, I mean, well, we did a lot. We went to the top of the World Trade Center. We went to Central Park. We took the subway everywhere, which he loved. We went to Yankee Stadium, obviously. We went across the Brooklyn Bridge. We took the ferry back. We, you know, we had an authentic New York pizza. At least thirty-five miles. Oh, just walked. Yeah. We didn't walk all that. Uh, we okay. took the train. All right, how about how about fifteen? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like six and a half. Oh. It's still a lot for a seven-year-old. Thirty-five miles. Manhattan's not that big. I was in Boston this past weekend. Yeah, you were. How with, was with that? With a few friends. My legs were sore from all the walking. Very walkable yeah. town. Made an early trip to Gillette Stadium. Why'd you still, do that? Still a nightmare in and out of there. Saw Garth Brooks. Oh. You went all the way to Boston for Garth Brooks? No, it was, uh, we went to Fenway Thursday. Okay. But Garth Brooks puts on a hell of a show. Double line. I've encore. seen him. I saw him at uh, Allstate Arena. It was all right. No double encore for you? I can't remember. His wife definitely came on stage and sang. Does she still do that? She did that too. Yeah, I think she always does that. Um, One uh, travel reminder for Bears fans going out there this year. That stadium is an, an absolute nightmare to get to. Yeah, I wouldn't even recommend. I love Boston, but I, that's not the trip I would recommend. If you, you can't get a hotel on property there, forget it. Because you're going to spend hours in that parking lot. <sighs> did you have a hotel there or no? No, we were in Boston. Yeah. Took us an hour and a half to get out of that parking lot leaving. And we left oh. an hour after the concert. Yeah, there's like one road. It's just it's not it's not it's miserable. I'd I'd go to go to New York, go to Dallas, go to Green Bay. This is kind of a year to just lean on Lambo in September, I feel like. Just make that your big trip. All right, we're out of here. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, re Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. I am at allchgo.com. We will have uh, three more shows there the rest of this week. They are at 1 o'clock daily. If you want to watch live for this show, please subscribe. Please find us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the uh, notification button so you know when the show's premiere. Uh, we appreciate our producer, Kent Garrison, who does all that work for us. And uh, make sure you rate and review the podcast as well. If you listen to us that way, we know most of you do. And we appreciate that very, 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 very much. How about that? Very much. Very much. Uh, we'll be back next week. Yes, we'll be back. I know, we, there's no one way, episode, o- yeah, one episode yeah. next week. There's no OTAs next week. We'll still get you an episode for sure. Hope everybody has a safe and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Uh, enjoy some time with your family and um, your little ones definitely what's going on in the world um, alright we're out of here talk to you next time. see ya